Pray. <laughs> do you want to do it? I don't know about that. No. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you, Lord. Thank you for Adam. We thank you for um, the spirit that you have put within him. Lord, the gift that you have put within him. Lord, that we will benefit, benefit from this morning. Lord, as he is your, your person right now to bring your word. Lord, and it is your word. Lord, and we want to be responsive and open. Continue your ministry, Lord. We love it that you're moving and speaking and touching lives. Continue to do that through Adam, Lord, as we, um, we give him our ears and our attention, Lord, because we know that we're listening to you through him. Mm. So, Lord, we just pray your anointing on him, Lord, and the confidence in his heart, Lord, that you are working through him. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Good to be back home. This morning, <laughs> um, I don't know who's usually here or who's not usually here, but it feels like we just left and everyone's still here. Um, it's brilliant. Um, feels like every time I come back to Eltham, I come back with a new member now. Um, one of the last times I came back, not as a single man, but as a married man, and now coming back as a father. Um, <laughs> They've both left the room. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's not unusual. <laughs> um, no, it's so good to be here uh, this morning. And um, I'm just like, what I love about being back here is, you know, one thing I was saying to some friends that I think when you're in the continent of Africa and you're living in, in the continent of Africa, you get you kind of spiritual warfare. Um, there's kind of obvious... Um, demonic activity um, but when you come to the UK you don't often think about that but I would say that the spiritual oppression is bigger in the UK I remember one time walking to this church and as I was walking to this church I started doing this because I was like what's going on and it was the enemy he was, he was coming on me he didn't want me to come into this building I remember one time when I lived upstairs uh, I woke up in the middle of the night and something was pushing me down into my bed and I was like hey <laughs> and I just started rebuking it in the name of Jesus and woke up the next morning I said to Jane and Mike I said Did anything weird happen last night they were like it was going crazy last night and I was like okay it wasn't just me anyway the reason why I'm saying that it's not in my notes is that um, there's something very special about this room and this building and the people that meet in it because in this place chains start breaking um, because God is here, uh, and you bring him in, you usher him in. And so keep uh, opening these doors, keep seeing people come in, because I think sometimes you can get used to the taste of Jesus. <laughs> you can get used to the taste of freedom, and you can start to believe a life from the enemy that the world doesn't need what you've got. But actually, this community needs Jesus. This community needs what you have. Uh, and I want to encourage you, if you feel like you're not tasting anything nice, maybe it's time to start eating again um, so that you can experience something new of him and remind yourself just how amazing he is. And then that will encourage you, I believe, to again start going out and start speaking to people about just how good he is. Amen? Amen. Amen. Sure. So I remember... Uh, this one time, being back in, in London just reminds you of all these old memories that you've got. And I was reminded of this one time, I was standing at a new bar in Sidcup. Um, I don't know if it's still there, probably not. Um, it was at the um, Marlowe Rooms. There was, a, there was a new bar that was open just there. And I was standing outside waiting for some friends. And that morning, I'd had a fresh haircut. It was a nice skinhead. Um, I also happened to be wearing all black uh, that day. And so you can imagine that maybe people thought I was the bouncer. Um, and so that, that afternoon, two men walked up uh, to me, uh, and they were older than me. I think they were probably richer than me. They, were, they looked pretty good, and, and they said to me, um, can we come in? Uh, not my best Christian moment happened. I uh, looked them up and down. 
and said, no. <laughs> and they walked away. <laughs> These guys were at the entrance to the best, newest bar in town. They had the right to be there. They were allowed in. Nothing was actually stopping them from going in. I had no power. I had no authority to stop them, but because of my presence and because of my little lie, little, little lie, um, they walked away. They didn't go in. The only reason those men didn't go in, I would say, is because they didn't have a faith in themselves. Something, they had a doubt in themselves. I don't look good enough. We're a bit scruffy. Maybe we can't get in. I would say, in Christian terms, they didn't have faith. And the text I want to look at this morning is about a people that were standing at the doorway to something amazing. They were at the doorway to a land of prosperity. They were at the doorway of a land that was promised to them, a land of life. But like those two men, they didn't go in. Not at that moment anyway. <laughs> Some of you people that know your Bible too well know what I'm talking about already. Uh, so if you do have a Bible, you can open your Bible. Jim, I thought you'd have a Bible. You're old school, eh? No? Not even a King, King James? Okay, cool, cool. Oh, I'll change my sermon now. Um, open it up to Numbers 13. And let me start by saying that usually when I like to preach or teach, I, I like to just be given a text from the scripture. The scripture is alive. <laughs> when we were re when uh, you were reading that scripture earlier on, I was just like, that's, that's, that's the best thing ever because it's the only word that is alive. Every other word is dead, but the word of God is alive, it's active. So I love just taking scripture and just thinking about, you know, what's this teaching? What's it teaching the people at the time? What's it teaching us? And then, because I feel like God has given me a prophetic gift, I like to say, God, what's the prophetic word in this for the people I'm speaking to? But today I felt like God <laughs> just went all prophetic. <laughs> and I feel like this morning, uh, more so than maybe ever before, I've got the strongest prophetic word that I've ever given to a church or to anyone, in a sense. Um, so do take notes. <laughs> if you're from this church in particular, take notes. But even if you're not from this church, I really believe that the principles and the points that I've got for the church are things for us as well, uh, things that we need to embrace because the danger is, is that we also don't go into the promises of God that he has for us. Amen? Amen. All right, let me give you a little bit of background to Numbers 13 where we find ourselves this morning. We could go all the way back to Genesis, to be honest, but maybe I'll start with Joseph. Uh, anyone know Joseph? Technicolor Dreamcoat, Jason Donovan, was it? <laughs> um, oh, I had a weird thought, I won't go there. Um, <laughs> Joseph uh, is sold into slavery, as you do. Um, gets sold by his brothers into slavery, but he ends up being one of the most powerful people in the world. And, and because of uh, the gift that he outworks, uh, people are saved because people don't go hungry as a result of him moving in the gift that God has given him. And then um, Pharaoh says, bring all your people. They can come and live here in Egypt. Okay, just correct me if I go wrong. My Old Testament's a bit dodgy. Normally I go to my wife Old Testament stuff. Um, then what happens is years and years and years later, um, the people of Egypt say these, these guys, they're getting a bit too strong. And if there's like a war or something, these guys can turn on us. So let's oppress them. Let's, let's put them into slavery. Uh, and they do. They oppress them and they put them into slavery. The people of God are slaves. But because they cry out to God in their prayers, they're saying, God, deliver us, just like we were praying for healing, and we were saying, God, deliver people this morning, they cried out, God, 
hear our prayers. And we read in Scripture that God did that. He heard their prayers and he freed them from oppression. He freed them from slavery. Amen. And we have a trust and a hope in God that those prayers that we've just prayed right now will do the same thing. Those people will be delivered. They will be set free. Amen. Not only are the people of God now free, but the enemy that once defeated them, that once, um, sorry, oppressed them, is now defeated. We see that in the story of the Red Sea. This is the most powerful enemy in the world, the most powerful force in the world. Nothing could stand against it but God. And they didn't even lift a finger. They just walked through a sea. It's an amazing gospel message in there somewhere. (laughs) Not today. Um, That freedom meant that they were free from, uh, from that oppression that, uh, that enslaved them. They were free from the captor that had them bound. And then we see in their story that the people of God go through a season in the wilderness. It's called a wilderness because it was, it was dead. It was, it was barren. But despite the lack of life in that land, God provides for them in a miraculous way. It's clear that even in the wilderness, God is with them. Another gospel message there. (laughs) Even in our wilderness, even in the wilderness, it was clear that God was with them. And along this journey, they receive a promise, a promise from God that there is a land that is theirs. And it's a land of great prosperity. The very opposite to what they've ever known. All they've ever known is death. All they've ever known is oppression. All they've ever known is hardships. These people were born into slavery. Born into oppression. Now walking in a wilderness. But now God gives them a promise And he says, I'm taking you to a land. It's yours. It's flowing with milk and honey. It's of great prosperity. And so there Moses, their leader, Moses, he sends 12 men to go out and spy the land. These 12 men represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And he says, go and bring back a report. Tell us, is it really a land of prosperity? Is it really a land of Hope is it really a land where we can know freedom for the real first time? Amen. And um, when I was uh, just in my own quiet times, I was reading Numbers. And then as I was reading Numbers, came to this moment, and and as I was reading it, you know, just for myself, I felt God say, this is the word for Elton. And it was like one of those prophetic coincidences. Do you have those moments, you know, where it just feels like a coincidence that you're in the right place at the right time, you're saying the right things at the right time, or someone is doing that with you, but you can feel it's a God moment, that God's presence is there. All the prophetic people in the room are like, hmm, all those who... Have other gifts are like, I'd love to know, but maybe not. Um, but anyway, this is what I feel is the prophetic coincidence number one for you as a church. The people of God leading up to this moment in Numbers 13, they have a story that has led them to this moment. They have a backstory leading up to this moment. It's a story, like I've said, of pain, suffering, oppression, But it's also one of strength because God gave them what they needed in oppression to keep going. It's also one of courage because they they didn't give up. They kept going. It's also one of provision, of healing, of freedom, grace and love, mercy, and now a promise. That was their story leading up to this moment. Eltham, just like our people in the story You have a story. You have a backstory 
to where we are right now. And in your story as a church, you've experienced some hardships as well, haven't you? (laughs) You've experienced some really tough times. But you've also experienced many moments of God's strength, many moments of, of God's courage for you as a church, many moments of provision for you. Just think back to the, the roots of this, this church building being brought. There was someone with much more money that was laying down a bigger offer and the, 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 the faithful men and women of God that were here didn't have that much money, but they said, here's what we've got, and God made a way. Amen? There's been many moments of healing. That's why we pray for healing, because the Word says it, but because we've also had many, many other testimonies like we heard this morning on this stage of people saying, God, heal me. Amen? We've been here, we've seen it, we've tasted it. We've experienced freedom in this place. Grace upon grace. I was just thinking this morning when we were singing about grace, you know, yes, we received grace in that moment when we came to believe, but we've been receiving it every day since and it tastes just as good. (laughs) Maybe even better. We've received love in this place. You have a story of love, of mercy, of revelation, and of many salvations. You, just like the people of Israel, have a story leading up to this moment. You can confidently say that God has clearly been with us. Amen? (laughs) I hope so. (laughs) Just like the people of Israel, the church of Eltham has a story leading up to this moment. And I don't know why I'm saying this, but God said say it, so let me say it. You know the story of the woman at the well? There was a woman, a Samaritan woman, sitting at the well, and Jesus comes along. Jesus is a Jew, and Jews don't have anything to do with Samaritans. In fact, normally they go the long way around, so they don't even go through that place and see them. He seized that woman, and he engages that woman. And I just wanted to say, I don't know if this is for one person or for you as a church, but God sees you. God sees you. He has not overlooked you. He sees you. I hope that encourages someone. (laughs) Back to Numbers 13. We find ourselves in the moment. The future has not happened yet. All the people of God, the Israelites, have to go on is their past and this promise that God has given to them. And I felt to say that that is the same for you as a church today. You've got the past. The future hasn't happened yet. But you do, as a church, have the past. You have the clear signs that God has been with you. And you have his promises, the promises that he has given to us as his bride, the church. And I want to go into maybe the prophetic coincidence number two for you as a church. I felt like God was clearly saying to me that the church in Eltham is currently in a place just like the Israelites. There is a new season ahead of you. It's a a promised season from God. And it's a promise of prosperity. I'm I'm very wary of preaching prosperity, especially where I live, okay? So let me explain what prosperity is quickly. New cars. (laughs) No. Um, it's It's a promise of sanctification, It's a promise that if you're in God, you're going to keep growing and become more like God. More so than maybe you've ever done in the past. Maybe you've taken a break from sanctification for like there's going to be some more coming. Uh, It's a a prosperity of salvation. You've had salvation in this church, but I feel like more is coming. Uh, It's a, 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 a prosperity of deepening of understanding. Maybe your understanding of God is this, and now he's going to open it up where you have to open up your arms way bigger. It's a, it's a, it's a, um, a prosperity of intimacy where, 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 where you get to see the face of God. Um, it's a greater prosperity of joy that is found in him. Amen? That's what I feel is coming your way. Yeah, receive that, Debbie. Receive that. And like the Israelites were standing at the door of their promise, I felt that's the same for you as a church 
as well. You're standing at the door of a new promise that God has for you. I want to be in this church. Um, Your past as a church has led you to this moment. Don't just think, oh, no, no, no. Your, Your past has led you to this moment. But right now, like the Israelites, you're not in it yet. That doesn't mean that God is not with you. God was clearly with the Israelites, even in the wilderness. They saw many miracles. God was with them. But they weren't in their promised land yet. And I'm just feeling that God is saying the same thing for you as a church. You're just outside. And I feel like God wanted me to open up Numbers 13, just to share from you some lessons that we can learn from our ancestors, the people of God. These are important lessons. Lessons mainly from their mistakes because the very sad thing was that they missed out on that promise in the moment. Can you imagine going through slavery, oppression, nothing but pain through wilderness and you're standing at a promise and you turn away and go a different way? And those people, most of them that were there, never even entered the promise. Their children went in later because of their lack of faith, just like those two men at the bar in Sikup. <laughs> Friends, I don't want you to miss out on the promise of God. And, and like I say, this is a word for this church, but it's also a word for us who are visiting as well because we've got promises that God has given us. And I don't want any of us to miss out on the promises of God. There's um, a scripture in Acts 17, verse 28, that says, In him we live and we move and we have our being. When we move into the promises of God, we live. When we move into the promises of God, we move. We have our being. Another translation says we exist. When we move into the promises of God, we exist. Amen? And I want us just to remember that verse just as we go through the rest of our time. That's like the longest intro of all time. (laughs) I want us to remember as we carry on through this talk that God is a promise keeper. When we take hold of God's promises, we actually take hold of him. Amen? It's not just about his promises, not just about what we get, it's about him. And in him is life. It's when we move in him that we actually have our being. And we can have a confidence that when we take hold of his promises, we are going to experience life, movement and being. God is the promise keeper. In him we live, we move and we have our being. Amen? Amen. Cool. Let's actually get into Numbers 13. Verse 1. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Send send men to spy out the land of Canaan, which I am giving to the people of Israel. I like names and stuff, but let's skip to verse 17. He goes through all the lists of the clans and the names of the people and why he sent them. So we pick it up in verse 17. Moses sent them to spy out the land of Canaan and said to them, go up to the Negev and go into the hill country and see what the land is and whether the people who dwell in it are strong or weak, whether they are few or many and whether the land that they dwell in is good or bad and whether the cities that they dwell in are camps or strongholds and whether the land is rich or poor and whether there are trees in it or not. Be of good courage. I feel like that's a very Winston Churchill moment. We have good courage. Uh, And bring some of the fruit of the land. Now the time was the season of the first ripe grapes. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin to Rehob near Maharath. They went up to the Negev and came to Hebron. Uh, Ahimman uh, and Shisha and Talmai, the descendants of Anak, were there. Hebron was built seven years before Zion in Egypt. And they came to the valley of Eshkel and cut down from there a branch with a single cluster of grapes. And they carried it on a pole between two of them. 
They also brought some pomegranates and figs. That place was called the Valley of Eshkel because of the cluster that the people of Israel cut down from there. Let's just pause so I can drink some water. Here's um, a prophetic coincidence, number three. You see in verse 23 that the spies, they go into the land and they cut down a single cluster of grapes and they carry it on a pole between two of them. Now, I don't know if they were just being funny and they had this big pole and this little cluster of grapes. <laughs> Maybe they were sending a new meme. Um, no, let's face it, the cluster of grapes was massive. It was huge. It was ridiculous. Who cuts down a, a cluster of grapes and has to carry it on a pole between two people? That is something you've never seen in your lifetime. It's something they had never seen in their lifetime. It's something they'd never experienced in their lifetime and they'd never tasted of that type of fruit ever. I would love a big bit of grape like that right now. Elton, you've seen fruit in your story. You've seen fruit in your story. And when I say fruit, I mean moments of God doing miracles. I am one of those miracles. <laughs> I still remember Gary getting me up on stage uh, when we got back from Rora, and, and he, I was standing just here, and Gary was here, and he said, um, I can't believe Adam's a Christian. <laughs> uh, Gary was my youth leader with John. He said, I gave up praying for Adam years ago. <laughs> I was like, oh, thanks. <laughs> but I was a miracle. I was dead in my trespasses and sins. I was an enemy of God. I wasn't looking for him. But because of people that loved me, <laughs> Can you turn around or something? <laughs> not just loved, but shared the word of God. <laughs> the word of God that has the power to transform, that has the power to set dead things and make them alive. I was dead. I had a, an eternity of hell waiting for me. But I was loved by many of you. And you didn't give up on me. I'm a fruit of this church. And I thank you. There are many other fruits in this room. Many other fruits in this room that are a, are, a, are a miracle of the story of this church and of what God did here. And I know that there's many others in this room that were a big part of that and they're not here for different reasons. Whew. I can't see but because you as a church moved in your commitment to him, because you outworked the gifts that he has given you, many moments of fruit happened in this place. And because of that, there's fruit happening all around the world because of what happened here. And I believe that there is a new season ahead of you as a church that if you move into it, if you obediently take hold of this promised season, there is some really big fruit coming your way. Bigger fruit than Adam Paul. <laughs> Bigger fruit than anything you've ever tasted before. It's going to be impressive. It's bigger and better. Amen? Verse 25. At the end... Of 40 days, they returned from spying out the land. 
And they came to Moses and Aaron and to all the congregation of the people of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. And they brought back word to them and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. And they told him, we came to the land to which you sent us. It flows with milk and honey. Here's its fruit. (laughs) Just pause there. Here in verse 27, the spies are confidently reporting back that the promise of God are accurate. (laughs) If you're a person of faith, that shouldn't be a surprise to you that God is accurate, that God says something and he does it, that God says this is going to happen and it happens. Um, I remember being in a massive conference once and, and, and the person said, stand up if you've ever known God's faithfulness. And then he said, basically, sit down the younger you are. He went through stages and there were some grey-haired people in the room that had been faithfully were able to faithfully say, God is exactly who he is. I've been, I've been here for 80 years, and he, he is. He's accurate. He is who he says he is. Can some of the grey-haired people in the room say amen? amen. <laughs> I just realised I should have said amen. <laughs> sure. <laughs> God promised them a land. He promised them a land that would flow with milk and honey. Now, when I grew up, I thought, that doesn't sound that impressive to me. <laughs> it wasn't that there was necessarily a land flowing with milk and honey, but it was saying that these are brilliant things. They represent prosperity. They, les- they represent wealth. They represent um, life. And that's exactly what they found when they went there. It's clear to me from how the spies report back that moment of God's promise being accurate, that these men are used to the word of God being true. They've seen God do exactly what he said he would do. Time and time again, they have experienced him being true to his word. Amen. God said the land would flow with milk and honey, and it does. Look, here's the fruit. It's ridiculous, it's bigger and it's better than anything that we've ever tasted. What follows next out of these men's lips should be the words, let's go. Let's go take hold of the promise. Because if God is for us, Amen. (laughs) God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. They should have said he powerfully set us free from the most powerful ruler in the world. They should have said, you know, he totally destroys anyone that gets in the way of us, the people of God. His promises are yes and amen. Obviously, that is what they are about to say in the next verses. Obviously, we're going to see them boldly go ahead because they know in him we live and move and we have our being. Prophetic coincidence number four. Elton, I don't know how God is going to take you into this next season. I don't know what he's going to use or if there's something that's going to happen. But I want to encourage you, be confident. Confident in the God of your past. The people of God in our text, they were not surprised that that land was flowing with milk and honey. They weren't surprised that that promised land had life. They were not surprised that God was right. He was accurate because they were used to what he said being accurate. They were used to what he said being true. Elton, put your trust in the God of your past. Be confident in him. He is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. In him, you do live, you do move, and you do have your being. Let's see how they responded in verse 28. 
However, the people who dwell in that land are strong and their cities are fortified and they are very large. And besides, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwell in the land of the Negev, the Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites dwell in the hill country. And the Canaanites, they dwell by the sea and along the Jordan. Pause. The word, however, is painful to me. Is it painful to you? Instead of confidence, instead of a certainty, instead of assurance in God being the God of his promises, rather than confidently believing in the truth that in God they live, they move and have their being, they have however. However, this however is frustrating me. The promise of God is in front of them. They have gone on the most ridiculous journey for them to get to this point. Seas have parted. We don't see that very often. The most powerful enemy in the world has been defeated. In front of them is their first opportunity of real life, real freedom. If they step in and take hold of the promise that is theirs, it will be an opportunity to see God move again in their lives. But this however moment is filled with doubt. It's filled with an uncertainty all of a sudden. Even though they've confidently just said, it's true, God is who he says he is, all of a sudden... And this happens in life, doesn't it? You can have such a confidence and you walk out of these doors and all of a sudden something comes over you and puts a doubt. Come and just said, like, I, I had this confidence, I'm killed. And then the enemy brings in a little lie just to throw you off if you're not careful. This, however, is one of those moments where doubt has crept in. Uncertainty has crept in. Their, their confidence is now filled with, a, with lies from the enemy. And all of a sudden, they're thinking through human wisdom. All of a sudden, they're thinking with human eyes because they're reporting back, the people are strong. They are really strong. Their cities are fortified. They're really large. They are descendants of warriors. There's loads of them. What are the people of God doing in that moment? They are assessing the future through the lens of their own abilities. Can they, in their own abilities, overcome those fortified cities? No. <laughs> Can, in their overstrength, they take down Amalek or Alalek's family? No. <laughs> they're big, they're strong. Can they overcome all of those things that they reported back on? No, not in their own strength. But could they free themselves from Egypt? No, but God did. Could they make a way through the Red Sea? No, but God did. <laughs> could they overcome Pharaoh and his army? No, but God did. Could they bring down manna from heaven? No, but God did. Could they bring water out of a rock? No, <laughs> but God did. We read in Mark 4, verse 19, Jesus teaching that we need to be very careful about the worries of life. We need to be very careful of, of worrying about what we can see in the physical. Jesus said that those worries, they come in and they choke the word of God, making it unfruitful. In relation to our text today, we can see that the, the worries that the spies have are choking out choking out the promise of God. All they've known is slavery. All they've known is death. And there's a beautiful promise and they've allowed the lies of the enemy to choke out his promise. Prophetic coincidence number five, Eltham. 
be careful of however's. Be careful of however's. In your own lives, but also in the way forward for this church. Be careful that when you come to the place of understanding the way forward, maybe you've tasted it and you realize, oh, it's good. You tasted it and you've realized this is the way and you, and you know it. Be careful that you don't start to look at the potential barriers that are in the way through the lens of earthly wisdom, earthly understanding. Oh, how are we going to do that? How are we going to do that? And then you allow the worries of the world to choke out the promise of God for you as a church. Be careful of the however. Be careful that you don't allow the worries of the world to choke the promise of God. Amen? Trust in God. Trust in his power. Trust in his promise. Trust in him being who he says he is. Trust that in him you live, you move, you have your existence. Verse 30. <clears throat> but Caleb quieted the people before Moses and he said, let us go up at once and occupy it, for we are well able to overcome it. Amen. <laughs> Unfortunately, <laughs> verse 31 happens. Uh, then the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we are. So they brought to the people of Israel a bad report of the land that they had spied out, saying the land through which we've gone to spy out is a land that devours its inhabitants. All the people that we saw in it are of great height. And there we saw uh, Nepilium, the son of Anak, who came from the Nepilium. You know, in biblical words, you just say it confidently, even though you... You feel like you're butchering these words. And we seemed to ourselves like grasshoppers, uh, and so we seemed to them. Friends, we're in a time in history where, where earthly wisdom is very woke. Yeah? Do we know that word, woke? Um, earthly wisdom is, is a very cool thing to listen to. Uh, it's become wise to listen to the world. And yes, we can learn things from the world. But we have to be very careful when we let the wisdom of man be the leading voice when there is a promise of God in the mix as well. Amen? Amen. Colossians 2 verse 3 tells us that in Christ are all, all the hidden treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Not some, all. All of the treasures of wisdom and knowledge are in Christ. And I believe that Caleb saw all the whining, the whining, all the warning signs that the other spies saw. He saw all of the things that scared everybody. He saw all of the, he probably even experienced the fears that everyone else feared. When he saw, saw those fortified cities, he probably said, oh, how are we going to do that? But I feel like Caleb, in that moment of doubt, in that moment of fear, rather than listening to that voice, started listening to the voice of the promise maker, the voice of God. I believe that instead of, of listening to fear, instead of maybe thinking in his own mind, how do we do this? He started seeking the wisdom of God. He started remembering the God of his past. We have to be very careful of looking at things through our own lens of wisdom, our own lens of discernment. I believe that Caleb said to himself, God has clearly been with us. God has promised us this land. God has always been accurate to his word. God has always been who he says he is. He has always done what he said he would do and he's never given us a reason to doubt him, even against bigger and stronger opponents than the one that is in front of us. Like I said, I believe that Caleb, instead of listening to fear, listened to the voice of God. 
Friends, that's what we need to do in life. <laughs> Listen to the voice of God. Take captive those feelings. Take captive those emotions. Align them to the word of God. And that's why he says, let's go. <laughs> let's go at once and occupy it. And I love the confidence in Caleb. For we are well able to overcome this. <laughs> Not like we've got a chance. Like, no, we are well able. Everyone else is saying no chance. What's the difference between those guys and Caleb? Faith. Faith not in himself, faith in the God. The God that he knows. The God of promises. Friends, I honestly believe that you as a church have a promised land that is ahead of you. There's a new season of great favour ahead of you. God has already given us as his children many promises. Promises like he won't leave us. Amen. Promises that we are in him and he is in us. Promises that we, that we will go to be with him. Promises, the promise of the Holy Spirit, many promises, but I feel like there's another promise for you as a church and it's, it's right in front of you. Some promises are just gifts that he gives us, but I believe there are some promises that we need to go and take hold of and I feel like this is one of those for you. Caleb trusted in the, the wisdom and the knowledge in God and because of that, he wanted to go and take hold of that promise. The others didn't trust in God. And because of that, they walked away. And they, they walked into a wilderness for 40 years. Some of them never entered into the promise because they didn't have faith. And I don't want that for you as a church. <laughs> I'd hate to come back in 40 years' time and you're still here in the same thing as now. This is great. But in 40 years' time, things should look a bit different. Amen? <laughs> Don't want to waste time, do we? Let's take hold of the promise that God has for you as a church. I don't know what it is. That's your job. Amen? Um, and let us who are visiting make sure that we have the faith to take hold of the promises of God that he has given to us. Let us not waste time in disobedience in disbelief, in, in looking to ourselves for the way forward rather than looking to God. He is the promise maker. When we keep in step with the voice of the promise maker, we live. When we keep in step with the voice of the promise maker, we move. When we keep in step to the voice of the promise maker, we exist. Amen? Amen. Can I pray for us? just invite you Holy Spirit to come right now and move Holy Spirit come and move Holy Spirit come and move right now come and move with the vision of the way forward for all in this church come and move right now Holy Spirit you are the one who lights up our steps. You are the one who brings to remembrance everything we need. You are the one who gives us the strength we need. Holy Spirit, come right now and light up the way forward for this church. I pray for a unity of vision. I pray right now that the promise wouldn't be a promise to one, but it would be a promise to all here. Pray, Lord, Father. Pray for those who maybe don't get it or see it to have a confidence in their leaders, to have a confidence in the ones who have tasted it and know that it's the way forward for them. As a church, I pray for our unity in the movement. I pray against the liars of the enemy that will come in and waste a whole load of time. I pray against disbelief. Pray against a lack of faith. Lord, I pray for faith to rise in this place right now. For 
faith to rise. Pour out the gift of faith even right now for this season, Lord. We pray for the gift of faith to come on all here, that we would have a faith in you for this new season ahead. Holy Spirit, come. Thank you, Lord, for this church. Thank you, Lord, for your bride. It displays your beauty, and people are drawn to it. Thank you for the fruit that has been seen in this place. We give you the glory, give you the honor. You did it, and we love you. I pray, Lord Father, for that greater fruit. I pray for the greater freedom. I pray for the greater joy. I pray for the greater healings, miracles, salvations. Pray, Lord. You bring it about, Lord. I pray for the confidence to move in you. You are the God who moves mountains. And you even say to us, just say to that mountain, get out of the way. Give us the faith to speak to mountains and say, get out of the way. Thank you, Lord, that you've done so much. But you never grow tired. You never grow weary. And so that's why we have a confidence that you're going to do it again. You've moved mountains. You're going to do it again. Thank you, Lord. Trust in you. Trust in you. Amen. 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 Thanks, Adam. Amen. Received that. Yeah. And um, and that gives us some fuel to pray into that as well, doesn't it? As we go forward. Amen. Lovely. Um, we're going to close there. So do. Stay around for some tea and coffee. If there's any biscuits left or something like that. But um, yeah, amen. Wonderful.